great. How great is our God. All will see how great our God is. Praise God. That is the heartbeat of God that all will see the greatness of God. God desires that. And that's the reason why you and me we are in the church today that all we see the greatness of God because God is great if there is one way in which God demonstrates his greatness it is in his wisdom he is an all wise God he is an all wise God all wise God there is nothing that happens that God Almighty is not aware and is not working to bring it to the expected end. Today, people when they look forward in life do not see anything but hopelessness it looks like nothing good is going to come out of the way society and, and life is going but we have an assurance we have an assurance that because of God in whom we live and move and have our being that his wisdom will guide us. Hallelujah. His wisdom will get us to where we need to get to. If I came here this afternoon, it was to encourage our hearts and to assure our hearts that it is well. Because God is in charge and in control. I heard someone say on the on the TV last Friday that if God is in control why are all the troubles in the world? God can't be in control. It is men who are in control. And this was being said by someone who's supposed to be a Christian leader and was saying if God was in control then his rugged car would have been made better. The young woman who was, who's, who was violated some years ago, wouldn't have happened, it wouldn't have happened to her. And men decide. So we can't say God is in control. We should stop saying that. And I said, what Bible does he read? Of course, he was making up people funds. He was raising money. So he has to say anything that he can say to get people given. That unless they give, their lives ain't going to make, become better. But you see, it is God who works all things out. When we say God is in control, we, doesn't mean, we don't mean to say he's the one that brought about that calamity upon somebody. But with all the calamity, in the midst of it, he is still able to turn things around for good. Hallelujah. He's able to make a star out of a scar. That's what we mean by God is in, God is in control. And he is in control. 
Hallelujah. This afternoon, I want to read a very short scripture to us, um, actually a single verse, and then, from, and then from there, we talk about the greatness of God. The crisis, the seemingly hopeless future that the world seems to be journeying into, really, is not so with God. With God, everything is in order. Although, humanly speaking, you might not see things going, oh, okay. If there's anyone here who thinks that, you know, things have gone so bad, I've got good news for you. God is up to something. Hallelujah. God is in charge. You can take heart. He will bring you to an expected end. Amen. In Romans 16 verse 27, The Apostle Paul says something about God which is so true and so wonderful. And it is this. He comes in verse 27 and he says, To God only wise. To God only wise. Be glory through Jesus Christ forever and ever. Amen. To God only wise. And prior to that, he's been talking about the plan of God. God's plan of salvation. How God has brought people into, the, into, 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 into salvation in Christ Jesus. How God has delivered people. And when he makes mention of this, he bursts out, as he does in Romans 11, and says, to God only wise. Basically, what I especially means is that to the only God and the only wise God. Meaning, if there is wisdom, it cannot be found anywhere else but in God. He is the ultimate when it comes to wisdom. He is the final. There is no one who can compare with God in wisdom. There are many things that, we, that, that happens here on this earth. People might, con- people might not consult God and they will think that they are able to sort things out them- themselves. But if people will turn to God and ask for his wisdom, they would realize that in his wisdom, he, he sets or he, he selects the best end for his people. And with the best end, he selects the best means to get it. So God has the best end in mind for his people. We cannot, we cannot decide to choose the best for ourselves. God does. He knows what is best. Because our knowledge of things is even limited as finite beings, but his knowledge is unlimited. Things that we would not know or things that we would have gotten into or things that would... Say, you had a decision to make. If you had made this decision, what would have happened? God knows all. God knows all. I'll show you something. First Samuel 23, verse 11 to 13. 
1 Samuel 23, 11 to 13. It says, Will the man of Keilah deliver me up into the hands and into, into his hands? Will Saul come down as thy servant has heard? O Lord God of Israel, I beseech thee, tell thy servant. And the Lord said, He will come down. 1 Samuel 23, 11 to 13. Then said David, Will the men of Keilah deliver me and my men into the hands of Saul? The Lord said, They will deliver thee up. Then David and his men, which were about 600, rose and departed and went out of Keilah. To God be the glory. David inquired from God. And God said, Yes, they will come. Oh, sorry, Saul will come. Will, will they give us up? Yes. God said, Yes, they would. So God knows. What would happen? In every way you turn, he knows what, what's going to happen. His knowledge is limitless. So when it comes to making decisions, God, God has the best for us. Hallelujah. He has the best for us. In one of the oldest books, that's, that's Job. Job 9 verse 7. Sorry, Job 9 verse 4. God is described as one who is wise in heart. And then in Job 12 verse 13, which I will read. He's described as someone who dwells in wisdom. It says, with him, Job 12 13. With him is wisdom and strength. He has counsel and understanding. No one surpasses God in wisdom. And no one will ever surpass him in it. So when we trust God for guidance, we know that we've trusted in the best. Or we've, we've We've committed ourselves to the best path. Amen. Let me, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me come clear and, and put it this way. You remember in the Bible when Abraham and Lot had to make a choice. Abraham told Lot, do you know what? My men and your headmen are, my headmen and yours are fighting. We can't draw together. We've gotten so much goods that we can't live together. So the land is before you. Choose where you want to go. On the natural, on the self, I mean on physical, on the outside, the fields look so wonderful. So Lot chose that side. That's towards Sodom and Gomorrah. And he went there. But I believe later did he know that the people were corrupt. But the field was green. It was wonderful. Well, well watered. Nice. And that's how sometimes it looks in the Christian life. In our lives, journey with God. Sometimes we think that the path you have chosen really is not the best. Because 
the one who doesn't really know the, the Lord seems to be on a very good path. But I want to show your heart tonight that the path of the Lord is the best. And his end is the best. Because we all know the end of the story. Lot ended up somewhere else. Lost everything. But Abraham lived and passed on the inheritance to his children. To God be the glory. So God's path in his wisdom what we are saying is that he chooses the best goals or the best ends for his people through the best means. We're not going to get to the end and realize that we have used crook, crook methods on, the, on God's path. No, it will be the best ever possible to God be the glory. God is all wise. So we can trust him. We can trust him. And not fear to let God take charge and be in the front seat driving whilst we enjoy the ride. The tendency to do something because sometimes God is a bit too slow. It doesn't work as fast as we want him to work. So you want to take charge. You want to get ahead. You know, Abraham did that. So, so Sarah helped him to do it. You know, the promise God said is going to, it's not really coming quick. Hagar is here. Have Hagar. So they went ahead. Did their own thing. But God have mercy. God have mercy. It has taken the mercy of God to bring us where we are. And today we have all kinds of things going on in the, in the world. But God is merciful. He's still keeping us safe. Unfortunately, when wrong turns are taken, the consequences still come back to us. But we will trust God. You know what I'm talking about. But we will, we will trust God. That in the midst of all wrong decisions being made and all them stuff, that we all, we all seem to become victims of it. But God is still merciful. And in his wisdom will guide us to save our world. God is all wise. Now, when God is doing something, or when God does something, we need to accept it as it is. Because the work of God cannot be improved upon. When God does something, there is nothing you and me can do to add to it. When God says something, you cannot say it any better. Because in his wisdom... When he puts a thing down, it is excellent. It's perfect. I've ever wondered, I've ever wondered if the, if the units on our faces are taken and shifted slightly, how would human beings look like? What I mean by units is our mouth, our nose, our eyes, our ears. Imagine if the mouth was just pushed, pushed just a little bit down here. And the eyes came a little bit here, just one. Like some drawings trying to portray. And the nose was somewhere here. And the ear came here. I wonder how the human face would have looked like. But God, wherever he put them, is the, is, is, is the best. I'm not too sure. I, I don't know whether you, whether you think about things like things. But, but I do. And I realize that God has done a perfect work. And no one can improve it. It's got to be accepted. Because he's the all-wise God. 
and only wise. I know that the we are still reaping from the consequences of the sin, the fall of man. So we don't see the best in creation, but even though the effect of sin is still in the creation, we could still see amazing things in what God has created. I mean, the world, the, the, the physical world. Turn around and things are amazing. Look up and it's just vast. People have been taking, people have taken years to try to, to understand how the universe is and, and, and to discover things. God has done an amazing work. His work is perfect. Excellent. Hallelujah. There is no one that can improve upon the work of God. God is wonderful. So when God sets, God sets things up, they must be accepted as is. Another area that we see God's wisdom displayed is in, is in how he has decided to save mankind. God decided that through the foolishness of preaching, men will be saved. Someone will say, no, 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 no. I don't like preaching. preaching. I can't even stand it. To sit down for someone to be talking to me. But no, no, I can't stand it. I, w- I like dialogue. Let's, let's, let's debate God. Well, for your information, when you go into the scriptures, God hasn't given any room for a debate about him. The first thing, we, the first line we read in the, in the Bible, Genesis, in the beginning, God created. He doesn't give you any room to discuss him. Or, sorry, to, to debate him. Does he exist or don't, or, or don't exist? In the beginning, God created heaven and earth. And earth was without form and voice. And darkness, darkness was upon the face of the deep. And God, Spirit moved upon the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. He began to create. He began to do things. He doesn't give room for any debate whether he exists or doesn't exist. And the Bible says in Romans that the invisible things of God are clearly seen by the visible. But men, through the hardness of their heart, refuse to acknowledge God and glorify him as God. So God has decided this is how it ought to be. So when God decides that this is how something should be, it should be accepted so. Because his choice is the best. Hallelujah. What he decides is the best. And nothing can be done about it. Praise God. So we should always yearn for for what God has set up. We should always yearn for what God has set in place. For that is the best for mankind. Nothing else will do. To God be the glory. I want you to read something with me. In 1 Corinthians 1 verse 17. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 17. Still talking about the, his wisdom in his plan of redemption. He says, for, for Christ sent me 
not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. Shall we continue? For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. Talking about his death and resurrection. What is that? It means nothing to me. We are talking about how we will make ends meet. How we make life work out. I mean, we're trying to how, how we get on in life. You know? And you, are, and, you are, and you are talking about how Christ died and, and resurrected. Would I put money in my, in, in my pocket? Watch out. The Bible says, if a man gains the whole world and loses his soul, what has he gained? Let's go on. But unto us, which are saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. And will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Verse 20. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? God has made it such that nobody will be saved. Through human wisdom. Because it, if it was based upon the ingenuity of man and the wisdom of man to save us, that's how well you are able to bring out your message. That's, if that's what saves people. When I say this, I'm not saying that we don't need to bring out things in understanding. But if the gospel message was dependent upon the eloquency of people, and how smart they are, then I tell you, maybe you and me couldn't have been saved today. But God chose that in his wisdom, it will be through the death and resurrection of Christ Jesus, all men be saved. And this must be done through the preaching of the gospel. That we shall be saved. God did so. So our confidence will not be in any man. But our confidence will be the finished work of Christ. That is what saves us. In the wisdom of God, he chose it that way. And it must be accepted so. Any other way, you're on your own. Because except through what Christ has done, no man will be saved. And Peter said it so well in Acts. That there's no name given among men by which we shall be saved. By the name Christ Jesus. Only through him we shall be saved. In God's wisdom, he chose that it be so. And all men ought to agree and accept it so. And come through to the Father through him. To God be the glory. Twenty-one, First Corinthians 1, 21. Continuing. For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. 
through the foolishness of preaching, to save those who will believe, those who will accept the word, those who will open up to the word and accept it and not look to the person or whatever. He said, hey, God saves through that. You may be able to reject the person, but don't reject the word. Hallelujah. For the word is what brings salvation, not a man. Because like I said, if God made it dependent upon the man, then some of us, maybe we wouldn't have been saved. Because we wouldn't have enough money probably to go to places where, where we will hear the word. Hello. Because people will put so much price on it. Don't people do that these days? Celebrity come to town and they're doing something, you have to pay so much to go and see. But hey, the gospel is free. 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 And all we need to do is just hear the word. Hold on unto the word. For it is the word that brings salvation. It's a word that brings deliverance. It's a word that brings freedom. It's a word that brings liberty. If there be any bondage, if there be any sickness, if there be any, 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 anything, Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. First unto the Jews and unto the Gentiles. To God be the glory. You see, so it pleased God that through the foolishness of preaching, the word should be accepted. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. The Greeks seek after wisdom. Verse 27. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. That's those who think they are worldly wise. God has chosen the foolish things of this world to confound them. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised has God chosen. Yes. For what purpose? 29. For what purpose? That no flesh will glory in his presence. That no flesh will glory in his presence. Humans as we are, God knows (laughs) that pride is always a problem. Pride. Someone said, narrow it down. The problem of man is pride. I mean, everything, narrow it down, it goes to pride. Pride is a big issue. For all of us. And God deliver us from it. That in the least thing. We get exalted. In our hearts. And we will not put confidence. In what Christ has done. Today. Many are born again. But they tend to put confidence in other things. But God will want us to put confidence in nothing else but the way, the path he has prescribed, which is Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Confidence in him and in him alone. 
nothing else. So in all this, what we see is that the proper attitude God is requiring in experiencing him is humility. Hallelujah. In the wisdom of God, he has chosen that in humility, his word be embraced, his word be received, so he can be experienced. Every other way, you lose out. In his wisdom, he chose that his word be embraced in humility. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. So that no man will glory in himself. That I need to pull down or crucify every pride. I need to put down everything and open myself up to the ways of God. Because sometimes I think that I am able to do it. I think I am mighty. As we were coming on the way, I was just sharing something. With my wife in the car and I was telling her that, you know, this thing about pride. You think that, oh, because you're born again, it's all gone. And in, a, in, in a way, it is all there. In a way, it is, it, it is all, it, it is, you, you have to deal with it constantly. Because sometimes, you know, the thing is bothering your mind. It is bugging you. Instead of talking to God about it, let him help you. You won't. And you'll be struggling with, struggling with it for days and weeks. And sometimes you're going through frustration. And I go through it. I've had a wonderful day. I was asking the Lord what to share. And um, I knew what I was going to share this afternoon. And, um, but then I came back and asked so many things. Should I share this or should I share that? Should I? And that became a big problem. Sitting at my desk. I work on this sermon. And then I put it. And then I work on that. And I, and I sometimes get that a lot. And I know the solution. I know the way out. But I was sitting down there. Delete. I said, guess what? Why don't you just talk to him? Let him just clarify things for you. And stop this pride. Thinking you can just figure it out all yourself. Until I knelt down. I said, Lord. What is, what is needed, please? <laughs> then I had clarity of this. It's okay, thank you. Then I got up and I began to do it. So, you, so that, instead of asking God, we, we, we will be going around in circles, missing around the bush, but we know he's there. We say practically that we depend upon him, but we, we, we say it theoretically in our, in our hearts and our minds, but practically... Sometimes it becomes a big thing to do. Find it difficult. And it bore, it is pride. Because the human heart wants to figure things out by itself. Hello. I'm talking about the day by day dependence upon, and moment by moment dependence upon him. Call unto me, all upon me, and I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know of. But sometimes it becomes a challenge to just tell him of things. That's what I'm talking about. Hallelujah. That he, the path he has laid down is the best. And if we follow it, 
we will experience him in awesome ways. That's what I'm talking about. That he has laid down his plan. Just as he had done in his creation, which is a done deal, and a plan of redemption, which is still continuing. We have to continue to follow on that plan. Because his path is the best. And the means he uses is the best. Hallelujah. In his wisdom, in his wisdom, God decided that the Jews and the Gentiles will become fellow heirs of the kingdom. Okay? That, that by grace, through faith, we all be saved. But the Jew says, no, no, no. We won't accept that. You Gentiles must be circumcised first. Or else you're not properly saved. But God's laid down path is grace through faith. So, oh, no, no, we don't, we don't. That is too simplistic. We want somebody that's a bit complicated. You know, you, know, you have to do something. You are a man, you have to do something. You know, you can't just have it so easy like that. Grace, no, no. I have to do something. I have to show that at least I have contributed to my salvation. God is saying, I don't need you. In the garden, you prove you were not able to do it. So since that time, I've decided I will not let you alone. I will do it for you. Oh, God, God, no, no, I am, I, I am capable. Still the pride. So they said, you have to be circumcised. So they said, no, no, no. So now, both Jews and Gentiles are fellow heirs. Now imagine this. In his wisdom, he chose that people who are culturally who have a cultural diverse background should be together in the same assembly and serve him. Isn't it amazing? You would have expected that God, knowing the, the cultural backgrounds, would have said, you know what? You form your congregation here, then the Gentiles gentile, gentile will also form their congregation here. That makes sense, doesn't it? That there'll be no trouble. You don't like me very much, you see? So instead of me, being a pro- me, me seeing me and having a problem, you know, you just be here. And then I be here. Different territories. So that at least we can all serve God now with a pure heart. God says, oh, oh no, not like that. Jews and Gentiles are to bond together. Hallelujah. So that in the church, there is one body, heirs of the same promises. Ah, and to the Jew, the Gentile is, ah, ooh, yuck, disgust. How could they share with us? God says, well, this time around, it's not by works. It is grace. It's not by obeying the law. That you can count on whatever you've done. Now it is by grace through Faith in Christ Jesus. So they're also qualified. Uh. So God requires that there will be a one body. No separation. One body. So in the church of God, his plan, his, his, his plan, motive and, and intention is that it be a one corporate body where his glory will be manifested and revealed. 
So no one thinks, ah, this person, I don't like the way he says what he says. I don't like the way he does things. I don't like his style. Well, it is oneness. Amen? Let me say this. Did you know that we are not called to make peace in the house of God? Did you notice that? We're not called to make peace. Uh-uh. Bible says we have been called into peace. Christ is peace. Hallelujah. We have been brought into peace. He, he is peace. We are in him. So we are not called to make it. All we are called to do is just maintain the peace and the unity of the spirit. We are not, not even called to even create unity. It's already a unit. All we have to do is to maintain it. Hello. What's the purpose of all this? Purpose of all this. Let's go. Let's, let's read it. Ephesians 3. Verse 6. Let's read the verse 6. And then 9 and 10. Verse 6 says, That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body, and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. So, through the good news of Christ Jesus, the Gentiles are to be fellow heirs with the Jews. Praise God. And Paul said, you know what? You Jews who are boasting about, about your circumcision... Actually, the truly circumcised person is the one who is circumcised in the heart by the Holy Spirit. So if you want a truly circumcised person, it is a Gentile who is born again. Oops. But it is. Fellow heirs. Oh, God, we don't like it like that. But that is God's best plan. And it's got to be embraced and accepted. Verse 9, verse 9, verse 9. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world has been hid in God who created all things by Jesus Christ. Now watch the verse 10. To the intent... That now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. So God has done it the way he has in the church. So that through the church, the principalities and powers, all the world, the angels, everyone, We'll get to see the wisdom, the, the manifold wisdom, the greatness of God's wisdom. The people who are so culturally diverse, or socially diverse, diverse group, God is able to form unity out of it. Now, people have territories when you go out. You cross their territory or come into their territory without notice. <laughs> you are in big trouble. Now, all that, God said, you know what? I have a solution to all that. In the, in, the, in the church, I will show you. In the church, I will show you. 
But in Christ, that, that is in Christ. In Christ. Because the church is his body. So in Christ, I will show you how I do it. And I bring everything together. Show you the, the greatness of my power. And I'm able to bring everything together. People who had no, nothing common between them. Bring them together and become one solid body. Hallelujah. As a testimony to the world, as a witness to the world, that God has the answer to the problem in the world. And no one will think that the world is journeying to a hopeless end, but that God has the best answer. Hallelujah. To God be the glory. So in the church, that is what God is doing what he's doing. That's why God has brought you and me together. That as the world sees the church, they will praise God for his manifold wisdom. And the church will take the lead in showing the world that, hey, it is possible. The wisdom of God is able to sort this thing out. So whatever problem, and, and that is the greatest problem. One doesn't like the other. Because you don't look like me. You don't talk like the way I talk. But hey, God has in his wisdom made it possible that through the church, the world, the principalities and powers will get to see the wisdom of God. Hallelujah. Amen. And like I said, we are all that we need to do is just maintain it. We're not called to create it. It's already there. Hallelujah. Go through the Bible and find out whether he says anywhere that you are to make it. All he says is maintain it. Keep it. Maintain. Keep. Meaning, meaning it is already there. You've been called into it. Just keep it. Just maintain it. To God be the glory. So, so there is no need. There is no need to create a different church for a, a, a different group of, group of people. You know, these are the, social, these are the uh, social high class. So they should have their church here. So if you are a, high, a socially high class person, you go to this high church. And this is a church for the common people. No need for that. Hello? So there's no need. You would also see that The idea of having a purpose-driven church is questionable now. I didn't say it, so you didn't hear me, but I said it. Well, the, the idea of a purpose-driven church is, is not questionable now. You know, you have, you have to be purposeful. You have to know who you want. God wants everybody. He said, no, you have to decide that you want uh, only single men. Fine. What will you do with them? Uh, um, I want, uh, we want only uh, people with, uh, want only family. So, so focus on family. So when single people come, we don't really treat them very well. We want, we, we, we want families. No. That's not God's intention. That all come. All come in. Oh, you see, you see how our church is thriving because we've got this, what we wanted. 
we knew what we wanted. We selected this, this, this particular group. That's why there's so much harmony here. You've missed God's purpose. God does not look at the sky before he permits rain or clear weather. God does not give a promise by investigating the statistics. In five years' time, there will be a, a baby boom. So I can promise you ten children, you four, you three. In five years to come, businesses will start up. Uh, there will be jobs in, um, there will be jobs in um, what's it called? Engineering or mining engineering. So uh, God will now say to you, now you, you, you become this because God, God has seen that in the world things are going to turn low. He does not look at the sky before he, the clearness of the weather to make promises. When he promises, irrespective of circumstance, it shall come to pass. Praise the Lord. So we do not use these uh, statistical selections to establish God's truth. Hallelujah. That, you know, we are, we are trying to make God's word uh, come to pass. We are, we are trying to, to get the unity that God, talk, God, God talked about. So we select what we So we let, 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 let's select only, um, only, um, only uh, what's it called? Uh, this kind of people, the working class. We don't want anyone who hasn't got a job. So when any person comes who hasn't got a job, uh, don't follow up. Just let them go away. And then we keep only those who've got the working class, only, only those who have got. Come on. Open to everybody. Praise God. For the unity is in Christ Jesus. And we are meant to maintain it and to keep it. The wisdom of God displayed. Hallelujah. After the apostle has seen, after Paul has seen all this, when Paul considers the wonder of God, because it's an awesome thing that what God has done, his plan of salvation. So in Romans eleven thirty three, 33, the apostle now exclaims, he bursts out and says, oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom of God. It blows his mind. The wisdom of God. The way God has planned all things. The way God does all things. It blows his, his understanding. This is just incredible. So God's plan all along, all along. When he called the Abraham, when he did all the all along, God's plan was to include everybody. And as a matter of fact, if you trace everything back to Genesis chapter 10, the table of nations, what do we see? Didn't all men came from, uh, 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 come from one, from one family? After the flood, we understand that the world was populated again through Ham, Sheth, uh, Ham, Sheth, and Japheth. So, hey, isn't it one big family? So, is it a big deal when he's in the church? God is through the church showing the world. That what you call impossible is possible. But you know what? The world despises the church. The world despises the, the church, but we are the solution. So, what God, what is best for the world, 
the world despises it. The church is the best thing that the world would ever have. Hallelujah. To God be the glory. Now, let me say this. We see the wisdom of God in creation. We see the wisdom of God that, 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 that he has displayed in his, redemption, in his redemptive work. God is not finished. It doesn't end there. You, you as an individual, you can also trust in the wisdom of God. You can trust in it, in what he's doing. That your life as a believer, your life as a Christian, your life before God is not heading towards an aimless point. God is actively involved. Hallelujah. Not actively, not just actively, but wisely, wisely working things out to bring us to the glorious end. So you can count on the wisdom of God. So sometimes you thought, where is life? Where am I going? I come with good news for you. That God is wisely involved in your life. Moving, working things out. To bring you to an expected end. The best end ever. Hallelujah. Amen. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. You can trust God in his wisdom. That he's guiding, he's leading you. You are not on your own. Hallelujah. You are not on your own making life. The mistakes you've made in life, and because of that you think that you've blown it, that you know what? I don't think anything is going to really come out. I, I want to assure you that God is, in, is at work wisely, wisely, wisely. Above every foolishness of men, he's wisely working things out to bring you to the glorious end. Turn with me to the book of Romans chapter 8, verse 28, and I'll read something to you. Romans 8, 28. It says, I will paraphrase this text after I read it the first time. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. We know that God works all things out together for good. To them that love him. Those who love him. God works all things out. He makes all things work out. God 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 makes all things work out. Not excluding the bad ones. He makes all things work out. Better. For the good of those who love him. And those whom he has called according to his purpose. 
So whatever it is, understand that God is in charge of your life. Whether at wake or asleep, God is at work, working things out. Praise be to him. Both the bad ones, the bad paths, I mean, things that we don't even want people to to know, we, we have ever gotten involved with. God is able to use all that. He makes use of all that. He uses all that for his glorious end. What is he doing? What is the end? I'll show you the end. And I'll come back to verse 28 again. I'll show you the end. 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be what? Conformed to the image of his son. What is the end of God for you? That we may conform to the image of his son. So all that we are going through, God is aware. He knows it. And there's a glorious end. Conformity in the image of Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Someone said, oh, but that is not any good news. I, want, I thought you were going to talk about a big mansion for me. What else would you want to have? What else? You wouldn't want to be conformed to the image of a son. Come to that place where you are in the image of a son. You rather want houses. Want a big, want a big business. Oh, what a shame. What a big shame. Didn't you realize that everything belongs to the son? Didn't you realize that? In the Bible, it says, all things are yours. All things are yours. Now, ask you a question. In a, big, in a big family, who does inheritance go to? The slaves, servants, or the sons, or the, or the children? Children. Hallelujah. So, when God is bringing us to the image of the son, it is, it is so that everything belongs to you. So why settle for less? So sons, conformity to the image of Christ is the best end you can ever dream of. That is why Paul can say, I trade off everything that I may know him. For that is the ultimate in life. Hallelujah. That is the ultimate in life. That I may know him. For the things that are seen are temporal. But the things that are not seen are eternal. Hallelujah. For there are some things we get them today. And then they are. But when I. Come to the place of a sonship. For everything is mine. Everything is mine. Hallelujah. That is why he says, 
in his wisdom, in his wisdom, he says, seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness and all other things shall be added. For the Father knows that you have need of all these things. But seek the kingdom first. And all these things, they are the byproducts. But you see, in the wisdom of men, in the wisdom of men, we seek these things first. Someone said, you know what, God? Um, yeah, I, you know I love you. I love you. Help me. Finish school. Let me get A stars. And then when I go to sixth form, help me get A, a asterisk too. And then when I go to uni, help me, help me get a, a first class with, with distinction. And then when I finish and I get a job and I marry only one wife, God, or if I'm a woman, I marry only one man, God, help, help me with all this. And then give me job here. And after all this, then I will know that you are really God. And when I'm about 69, he's about 70, then I will serve you with all my life. God said, this is wisdom in reverse order. Seek me first, the kingdom first. For everything else is in it. Everything else is in it. I'm sure you, you know of this popular art or story about a man who died. And then when he died, um, he, gave every, he gave everything. He, he, things were left. I mean, all the property, were, every, every, everything was left. And then uh, the man, the lawyer who had to sell. The man told the lawyer to do an auction for all his, all his, all his, all his things. But he said, before you sell anything else, I'm sure some of you have seen this thing on the Christian TV. Said before you before you auction anything, um, give this portrait of my son free, okay? Give it out. Don't do the auction until you've given it this thing free. So someone someone must take it before you start. So the man, the lawyer said, you know what? Someone must take this portrait of the man. This, sorry, of the the man's son, right? Take the portrait. So I want someone who who can take the portrait. Well, what is, what is a, we, we want the property, property of, of the man inside. What would he do for us? We are waiting. We, we want the actual thing, the, the auction, to, the auction to, to start. So they were, so they were waiting. And then no one was going for it. And the servant of the house, the, the slave, the, the servant, felt so sorry because he knows the son. I know the man. Okay, at least I'll put it in my, in my room. So the servant went up and said, I want it. And then took so the lawyer wrapped the thing and the portrait and then gave it to you. No, it was a portrait. So. It was a wooden, uh, so gave it to them. The moment the servant took the portrait and was about to go away, the lawyer took the hammer and then knocked the body and said, the auction is over. What do you mean by it? it's over? He said, according to the deal, the one who takes the portrait of the son takes everything. No, no, that's not right. No, that's right. No, 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 no. That cannot be. That is what is stipulated in the man's mind. He who has a son has everything. So this, this servant takes everything that belongs to the man. You mean for free? Yes, for free. So why don't you tell us? Well, 
That's what I'm telling you now. <laughs> that anyone who has a son has everything. Praise God. So, what we are saying is this. That God is bringing us to that place of, God is bringing us to that place where we conform to the image of his son. Hallelujah. So whatever happens along this path, let's embrace it and trust that God's wisdom is guiding us. Because it is God who's at work in our lives. Working all things out to his glory. Praise God. That was why Paul was able to accept the thorn in his flesh. In 1 Corinthians 12 verse 7. Sorry, 2 Corinthians Corinthians 12 verse 7. He says, He says, Unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations, through the abundance of 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 the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecution, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Hallelujah. So in the wisdom of God, he labeled, (laughs) he shadowed him with a a thorn in the the flesh. Pray to God three times. Then God said, you you know what? My strength is made strong in your weakness. That's the wisdom of God. So Paul understood and accepted it. He understood and, 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 and accepted it. He said, I'd rather glory in my infirmities, for I know that his grace his, his strength is made stronger in me. When I'm weak, then he's strongest. That we will trust that God, that loving, righteous God, is not leading us astray. It's not leading us to an empty end. It is to a fulfilling and a glorious end. Let's trust his wisdom. That's the point this afternoon. Let's trust his wisdom that come what may. Let's have a con- let's in our heart, let's be comforted. Let's rest in our hearts. Because sometimes when, they, when, there's, when there's a storm, when things get a bit agit- agitated, we get a bit troubled and think, ah, where, why is my life going to end? I tell you exactly where it is going to end. Where exactly where God has said it will end. Because he's wisely working things on your behalf. And he has never left your boat since he sat in the day you got born again. And he's working things out. Hallelujah. Praise God. It is for your good. God has brought you, gotten you wherever you are. 
Let's trust in his wisdom. Let's not allow the devil to play with our minds. And think, oh no, this, this is wrong. No, no. God is with you. He's stronger than the devil in your, in your life. Amen. Hallelujah. He's the one in control in our lives. He's the one leading us. We say it. Let's live it. Practically live it. By trusting in his wisdom. You think it is a mistake. Yes, maybe it is. And he knows it too. But he is the one working it out. To bring you to that glorious end. So let, let's, let's rest in our souls. Let's be comforted. Let not the devil have the chance to play with our minds. Praise God. Hallelujah. I think I'm almost done. But let me say this. God's wisdom is for sharing. He shares it. In James 1.5, he says, if, you, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God. He says, although he's wisely guiding us, we will also find ourselves in situations, very sticky ones, and really need God to help us out. Don't behave like me. Don't wait for too long. Just talk to him and say, God, grant me, show me the way out. Hallelujah. Don't be frustrated for hours, sitting down there not knowing what to do. Just tell him, God, grant me wisdom and help me out here. And come out quickly. Why would you want to waste time being frustrated and not know what to do? Hallelujah. So let's just tell him, Lord, grant me your wisdom in this one. And he will do. But no matter how God endow us with wisdom to get out of, get out of sticky, sticky, uh, sticky situations, we will never attain to the wisdom of God. Hello. If we ever think like Solomon did, you know, you become so wise. You know, when you become so wise and you go beyond wisdom, it turns to foolishness. So, no matter how God endowed with wisdom, when we ask him, let's, ask, let's understand that he is the only wise God. And what he has for us is the best. Hallelujah. What he has for us is the best. And we, when we have his wisdom, the wisdom of God from above is peaceful. It's pure. It's gentle. It's not haughty. It's not proud. It's not boastful. It's gentle. It's calm. It's peaceful. Because it comes from, from, from above. Hallelujah. So God, in his wisdom, is leading us and guides us. But has made it available unto us. He who, has, he who really has received true wisdom from God is peaceful. It's gentle. It's calm. It's not rude. It's not boastful. Hallelujah. I'm winding up. That's the reason why I'm... James 3, verse 17. But the wisdom that is from, from, from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace 
of them that make peace. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. But whatever it is, let's trust in the wisdom of God. That is at work in our lives. We may not see it because God himself is spirit, but he's at work, working wisely in our lives to the end. Trusting that he who has said in Jeremiah 29 verse, verse 11, I know the thoughts I think towards you. They are thoughts of peace, not of evil, to bring you to an expected end. So let's trust God. If there's anything I came to share with us this afternoon, that we will leave this place confident that God in his wisdom is leading us. And we will not come to a place where we will say God has deceived us. The all-wise God in his wisdom is guiding us, leading us to the best place ever. Praise God. So let no fear. Pray as you will pray. But let's not entertain any fear of distraction. For God is wisely leading us to the best end. Amen. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for your mercies and your grace. Thank you for your wisdom. Help us, God. Help us. Sometimes we struggle to let you lead. But we know you are the all-wise God. Today, by your spirit, help us to stop fretting and worrying and feeling so down and dejected and think that all things have just crumbled and to trust in your wisdom. Ah. That wherever we are today, you are wisely working through our lives. Even the bad things that sometimes you make, you allow to happen. You make them happen because you want us to see that in our own might and power, we cannot do anything. So when we're falling, we can see that, hey, we need to depend upon you constantly. That we cannot do it on our own. In your wisdom, you are guiding us. I pray that we will trust you completely. If there's anyone here, you say, I have heard about Christ, but I'm not born again. I want to be born again. I want to know him. I want to know him. I would like to pray with you if you, if you, if you, if, if you are here like that. If you could lift up your hands, I'll pray with you. Anyone here like that? To God be the glory. Father, we also pray that any challenge that your people might be going through, I pray you say we should ask you for wisdom. Grant us your wisdom, Lord. How to handle situations. And like Paul, come to understand that you are at work in us to trust in your wisdom totally. That we are not journeying towards 
hopeless end, but a meaningful and a purposeful end. Conformity in the, to the image of Christ Jesus. Let this confidence be in us. And the wisdom to handle situations in our lives, Lord, grant us also. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Thank you, Father. We also pray, Father, and commit the, this church and what you are doing in this church into your hands. Now, Lord, even as you're working in individual lives, so are you working through this church in your wisdom. In your wisdom, you are working things out. That we will be confident that you, God, are in charge. And we are not journeying to a hopeless end, but a purposeful one. Grant us the grace to see and to relax. Not so as to keep our hands behind our back, but to have rest in you. To rest in you as we go on working in your vineyard. To have rest in our souls and not fret. Help us, God. In the name of Jesus. I pray for every family here. May, you, may this bring peace to every family here. In Jesus' mighty name. May every family here receive this, O oh God. Walk in your peace. Knowing that you are at work in their lives. Wisely bringing them to a glorious end. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah.